This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hello, everybody. This is Marcus Gabriel here on Dune Talk. So you may know me from a lot of uh, writing on DuneNewsNet.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, really excited to bring you this next episode of, of Dune Talk. Uh, so I'll give my hosts a chance to uh, introduce themselves. Hey, what's up, people? I'm Simon. I'm one of the podcasters, and um, I wrote a review recently of something we're going to talk about later. I'm Garen. I'm uh, the founder of the Dune Companion podcast. Um, I love writing articles about the lore. I love talking about the movie. I'm excited about uh, all the people that are going to discover this book and this this movie that's just one of my fan favorites. So excited to talk about it. Um, I have the movie right here. What? I actually bought this on eBay for two bucks. It's still shrink wrap. <laughs> That's awesome. Shipping was more. I think shipping was like five bucks. Cool. Yeah. So for everybody joining us on Dune Talk for the first time. Uh, so basically Dune, Dune Talk is the official uh, show of uh, DuneNewsNet.com. It's the website where we bring you all the news, reviews, interviews, everything to do with Dune movies, uh, uh, TV shows, uh, games, comics, uh, and so on. And uh, Dune Talk is our regular show where we discuss a lot of these, these topics uh, in detail. And we have uh, five exciting topics to talk about uh, today. So let's get into some movie news. Dune movie news. So our first um, uh, topic today is um, the Dune soundtrack, or should I say soundtracks. So uh, Water Tower Music is uh, going to be releasing three separate uh, albums featuring Hans Zimmer's uh, music from and inspired by Dune. So the main soundtrack is going to come out on September 17, which is when the, the movie is going to start its theatrical run in, in uh, Europe. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, before that, we have coming out uh, the Dune sketchbook uh, music from the soundtrack. And that's going to be uh, extended explorations of music from the, from the movie. And uh, that's going to be Hans Zimmer's first work ever, which is going to be available in Dolby Atmos Music. Uh, and then the third... Um, album is going to be The Art and Soul of Dune. Uh, so if that title sounds familiar, that's because it's also the name of the art book, which is going to be uh, coming out uh, together with the movie. So currently planned for uh, October uh, 22 in the, in the US. And this uh, soundtrack is basically intended to be a companion to, to, that, um, uh, to that art book so that people can, can listen along as they're like getting uh, immersed in the, in the world of that, uh, that art book. Uh, additionally, uh, on uh, July 23, when we were getting all that uh, recent news about the trailer and everything uh, else going on, uh, Zimmer re released his uh, new single, uh, which is called uh, Dune, Paul's Dream. And that contains uh, two tracks. Uh, the first one is Paul's Dream uh, from the sketchbook. And the second one is Ripples in the Sand from the film's uh, score. So... Um, First of all, on those three three albums, uh, Garen, uh, what was your reaction to hearing that we would get three albums uh, from Dune? Well, I love it because what I'm what I'm excited about is seeing as much content around this film as possible. Because um, again, uh, I love the fact that the opening of the movie says part one. Right, we know more is coming. I love the fact that 
you know, we've got not just one soundtrack, you know, like we had on the, on the 84 movie, but, but we've got multiple, it, it shows Hans Zimmer's commitment to this shows his creative energies pouring into this franchise, into this, into this story. And, and so I, I was just absolutely thrilled. I'm, I was already a huge Hans Zimmer fan. Uh, I love, I love his stuff. It's, it's all very, very different. It creates a lot of different emotion and intensity. Um, but I, I loved, I love the fact that he's doing a lot with this. And so, I mean, are, are those day one purchases for, for you? Oh, yeah. Of course. They're, they're pre-ordered. I'm actually thinking of getting the vinyls and also if they do come out on vinyls or, you know, Apple Music. I do love that there's a sketchbook. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of a composer sketchbook kind of, and like, kind of like a read-along, you know, for the the other one, it feels like. But the com- the sketchbook, I just imagine that it's like early rough cuts of some of the scores that we're going to hear early on. I mean, on the actual album. Yeah, the the way I've been um, understanding is is that basically Hans Zimmer had finished the score uh, way, way back in uh, October, no, November 2020. There was actually an interview where, where he had basically said that he was done with Dune. But am I done with with Dune? And uh, based on the the quotes uh, from uh, uh, Denis in the in the interview, it sounds like uh, Hans Zimmer was inspired, and he kept uh, writing more and more music. Um, so it sounds that the sketchbook is basically taking elements of the score and expanding on that. So so these these came later, and I know that we had a lot of. Um, posts on social media over the past months and people were wondering, oh, are they still working on the soundtrack? But apparently it was these, um, these two additional albums. Uh, so, uh, yeah, re- re- really, really looking forward to hearing the, the whole thing. Um, Marcus, what a vote of confidence in a, in a creative genius like Hans Zimmer <laughs> to be so inspired by this film, right? He was already a fan of the book. We knew that, but to be so inspired by Denise vision that, that the creative juices just keep flowing. He just keeps creating, you know, I just think that's a huge uh, underscore of how, of how exciting this project is. One thing I keep thinking about the trailer because I, you know, I've watched it a million times is the music. The music is a character by itself already. So I can't wait to hear the rest of the track and hopefully we don't get like a spoiler, like episode one, you know, when the soundtrack came out, Qui-Gon's funeral. So hopefully we don't get something like that for non, you know, people that are not familiar with the source material. Not going into the, the exact tracks yet, but when, when I was in the, the IMAX preview and watching the trailer, um, my feeling of, of, the, of the score is that it's, it's not the focus of, um, of what, you're, what you're seeing, but it's, it's like the perfect complement to what you're, you're seeing on, on screen. Like there, there, there's sometimes when, you know, you're really focused on, on the visuals uh, and you're, you're almost, um, yeah, you almost don't realize that the soundtrack is, is playing, but then like you, you're realizing I'm, you're actually feeling the, 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 the soundtrack in you. So I, I think that, that was, uh, yeah, like from, from everything I've, I've seen so far, this is just perfect as a, a soundtrack to, a, to an epic movie like, like Dune. You know, Simon, with your background in filmmaking, um, what what Marcus just said there is actually uh, one of the one of the important standards of the music should never overshadow what you're seeing. The, the music should never take you out of the moment, like you were saying, uh, Marcus. And what I thought was so cool about about seeing seeing the the 20 minutes uh, preview footage that we saw 
I liked that it was different enough that in the moments when I saw, you know, the sand of, of Dune, the sand of Arrakis, and, and I saw some of these images that were not full of action, then I heard some of these really unique and beautiful, you know, uh, compositions. But then when it went to the action, I, my, my attention was in the moment. I was present in the story. It did not take me out of it. So I think he struck a, a really good balance with this, with this music. You know, I, I have this hatred of Jaws for many reasons, and I know I'm going to get hate for this, but I feel like what you're talking about, the soundtrack in that movie, when you hear the, dun, dun, you know the shark's coming, so it already kills the suspense for the first time. And I feel like Han is putting the suspense, but in the background of Denny's vision, you know, it's just a nice little extra layer that we get. It's not in your face. Simon, so what are your thoughts on the, the two tracks in the in the single? Have you had a chance to listen to them a lot? Oh, yeah. I, I've been playing them on loop. <laughs> My thing with soundtracks is if I haven't seen the movie, I don't want to listen to them that much because I want to experience them as you should the first time you watch a film and experience them as the action's happening in front of the camera. But I will, I will be listening to that quite a bit as soon as it comes out. I'm really curious about the sketchbook one. I think that's the one I'm the most interested in. So in a way, thanks COVID because we got more Hans Zimmer music with the delay. Yeah. Any, any thoughts, Garen, on those three tracks specifically? Yeah. So I've, uh, I was re recently, I recently moved from uh, Spotify to Apple music. And one of the reasons I did that is because of their new uh, spatial audio uh, technology mm -hmm. that they have, which I'm sure Spotify will, We'll follow up with soon but i was listening down here on my on my home theater setup i was listening to these two tracks and listening to it in lossless you know in in spatial audio and just gorgeous uh music gorgeous soundtrack but haunting i couldn't believe how haunting some of it was and and i know that you know hans zimmer does that sometimes uh in in his in his compositions but um it it, it I think there's just a lot more depth in these characters as Denis is going to, is going to put this film together. And I think Hans Zimmer is reflecting that. I think the depths of the, of the haunting lows and, and fear and anticipation is going to match the incredible highs that we're going to see uh, visually. So um, I, I thought they were fantastic. Uh, a lot of, um, a lot of vocal, which I know Hans Zimmer does uh, periodically throughout his compositions, but um, I just, I thought it was a, a broad range, but it really fit well. Kind of like Simon, I don't want to listen to it too much because that might take me out of the moment when I'm seeing it for the first time, but uh, a beautiful taste of, I think, what's to come on those, on those albums. Yeah, I, I really like what uh, what you brought out about the haunting because that that's one of the first words that that came into to my mind, especially with the, the female uh, vocal uh, vocals. Um, yeah, just so so much power, and in combination with the with the instruments that that they that they chose, like uh, at, at the end of uh, Paul's Paul's dream, you have those those vocals which are beautiful and and harsh. Uh, at the same same time, and those uh, drum sounding uh, instruments, it just like it gives me uh, give me chills just listening to to it like just now on um, on on YouTube. But like when it was in the in the theater, like I said, it was yeah, it felt like the soundtrack was reverberating uh, through me because like, it was uh, it was quite intense. Um, 
going to your point about the still spatial audio, like, if, so for, for you, is this a big deal that, that it's available in, in Dolby Atmos? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm kind of a hi-fi geek uh, that way, and, and I, I love super high-end uh, sound equipment, audio equipment, speakers. And, and again, this goes back to the experience in the IMAX theater. I think, Simon, you said this uh, earlier, but uh, in another podcast about how if we don't have sound and we see the visuals and we understand what's going on, that's powerful. But then when you add this incredible music, which, which brings out so much emotion, it, it heightens everything that you're seeing with your eyes. And if you do that in a, in a, in a room that is filled with incredibly high-end, powerful audio equipment, it's just an overwhelming sensory experience. And so I just am so excited to, to have this, you know, multiple sensory kind of experience watching the movie for the first time. I can't wait. You know what I would love, um, sorry to go on for a little bit more about this topic, but you know how sometimes on Blu-rays or even digital downloads now you get just the score of the film as like the scenes are going. Like I know Aliens has it. I think Gladiator might have it too. I would love to, obviously I'm going to watch Dune a million times when it's on HBO Max. Thanks, um, HBO for that one. But when it comes out, I'm curious to know if they're going to have a nice way track of just Hans Zimmer's music. That would be a cool little feature on the official release. Yeah, and I'd also love to hear a, 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 or watch a making of the, the soundtrack. I think that would, that would be uh, be interesting because it, it wasn't, uh, it's not just Hans Zimmer on his own. There's so many, so much talent in, involved uh, behind it. I think that could be like an amazing documentary. Cool. So moving on to our second uh, topic for, for today, uh, that's also um, uh, some news that, that came out in the past week. So we, we had been, already heard about the, the Dune uh, runtime that, you know, it was going to be about two and a half hours. And uh, we got some exact confirmations from, from ratings. And then finally, on July 26th, we had the press conference uh, from the Venice uh, Film Festival. And there we indeed saw uh, runtime 155 uh, minutes. So now that this is uh, confirmed, um, I'll start with, with, with you, Darren, because you weren't on the, on the first episode. Are you happy with that runtime? Yeah, I'm really happy with it. Um, actually, I was a little concerned that it would be uh, uh, closer to uh, under two hours. I, mm -hmm. I was I was worried it was gonna because again, remember that's that's what I had trouble with with Lynch's Dune, right? He he didn't have enough time to develop the story. So, uh, as a fan of the source material, the fact that this is on the longer side—I mean, we're not we're not quite to Avatar Titanic length here. But there's going to be two films. That's why. But it's it's longer than a lot of films. But it needs it. It needs the time. And Denis takes time to develop his multifaceted, multidimensional characters. So when I heard that, I was I was thrilled. And and I know that some people take that and and they get they get concerned. Like, do I have to sit through this? You're not going to feel this. We've already heard feedback from people who've seen the film already. You don't feel that time frame. You're you're in it. You're living it. You're experiencing it. So yeah, Marcus, I was I was really excited about the runtime. Yeah, and Simon, now that we know the exact exact number, any additional thoughts? I I'm happy with it. Like I said, I think you're right. Um, I didn't want a 90 minute movie because there's so much to cram in, and even in that first 20 minutes that we saw, 
Denis is very good at giving their characters time to breathe. You know, the, the breakfast scene is the perfect example of that. And that space between Paul talking to Jessica might be only a couple, maybe 40 seconds, but it gives you enough time to breathe. And honestly, I'm sure there's going to be at least five, 10 minutes of credits. So, but I'm okay with it. I mean, ask Jason Momoma. He wants a, a six, seven hour cut, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's actually a good, uh, good segue. So one of the counterpoints to, to that is some of the reactions have been like, oh, that, that's, that's too short. Like, how are they going to tell the, the whole, whole, whole first half of the, the movie in, in that time period? I guess I'll I'll start out with with one thought that I had when I was uh, when I was actually writing the article about the the runtime. So I'll see there are longer films like uh, there there are recent examples like if you look at Avengers uh, Endgame, uh, which was uh, over three hours, and that was a film that was basically tying up a whole decade long uh, story arc across multiple movies. So that was uh, pretty expected. But if you look at um, other other movies, then two hours, 35 minutes is definitely on, on the upper end. There aren't much recent movies that, that go beyond that. In fact, if you look at um, the theatrical releases from, from Warner Brothers or Legendary, you actually have to go back a full seven, seven years uh, to find a movie that's, that's longer. So that was actually Interstellar. Uh, that was two hours and 40, 49 minutes, and that opened on uh, 3 November 2014. So definitely... There, there shouldn't be any concern here that you know Denis Villeneuve is not being able to tell his his full story that he's he's having to you know uh, cut cut too much. I mean, th- this is definitely on the upper end of the the, the scale, and you know you, you could also compare it, to, for example, Lord of the Rings, where you had extended cuts that that reached uh, you know uh, four four hours, but but those were each for for one book, while for for Dune you're talking about like two two halves of of one book. So overall. Would I like to see a longer movie? Like personally, I, I would. I would happily sit for like a, a, a three and a half, a four hour uh, hour movie. Uh, but I do think, um, in in context of um, of what, what what we've seen and heard, that this runtime uh, does make sense. Um, Garen, what did you make of the comments from uh, from Jason Momoa? Yeah, I, I love actually reading all of Jason's uh, comments, and he's actually been pretty vocal about his involvement with Dune. And uh, I, I, of course, don't know him personally, but what I know of him through his comments to the media, he's super excited about this film. And I, I don't know that, that that surprised me at first. I mean, I was excited, great Duncan Idaho cast. Uh, I thought that was a great decision. Um, sort of this swashbuckling, you know, exciting, uh, you know, character who, is like a you know a incredible fighter and pilot and all these things, but he is he is talking about this movie with words that are really strong. I mean, he's talking about this is an incredible vision. He's never seen anything like it. There's there's things in this movie that that are so impactful, and and I love his excitement. For, and so for him to say there's so much that was captured when they when they made this film that he doesn't want any of it to be trimmed. Again, it's just another another indicator that these actors are seeing something, they've seen it already, we haven't seen it yet, that is beyond what we're all expecting, that this really may have the potential to be uh, a groundbreaking film. 
uh, not just a science fiction film, a groundbreaking piece of cinema. And so for him to say he would love to sit there for five or six hours means that this world that he was in, both both in it and then watching it as, you know, as a spectator, just tells me that this is something that I am, should even be more excited about than I am. And I'm really excited. So, yeah, I thought it was a great comment. And, and before people do take it out of context, I mean, it, it is very normal that you film a lot more footage than, than you use, like uh, potentially an assembly cut could be two times longer than, than the final final cut. You have to shoot things from from multiple different angles. There are maybe some some scenes that you're you're thinking about using in the beginning, but at, at the end you see, yeah, actually doesn't fit. I mean, we've seen it with with many movies, the deleted scenes that in the end of the day, it did make sense that they chose not to include it in, in the movie for whatever reason. It either didn't fit in the narrative or the or the pacing. And the second um, thought I had is, uh, well, we, we know from from uh, Denis' uh, past films that he he doesn't do director's cut. Basically, his uh, what happens in the theatrical version, that's his director's cut. And we haven't seen extended versions um, from him. Having said that, you know, there's there's always a first time. And we saw that uh, now with, uh, with the um, things going direct to streaming, uh, I would say never say never. But um, Simon, what, what would your thoughts be? Would, would you watch a five to six hour extended cut? <laughs> I would watch a lifetime cut of it. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I was looking this up while you guys were talking. So I was doing running time and for Black Widow. That's what Google decided to show me when I was doing running time, right? That's two hours and 14 minutes, okay? The new Suicide Squad movie is 2.12. Fast and the Furious is 2.25. Movies, you know, when I went to film school 20 years ago was get them out fast like that. You can turn them around. But I think now people are interested. If you give them a story, they will be interested. I mean, I'm looking at running times for Star Wars. Revenge of the Sith is two hours and 20 minutes. The last one, which felt like a lifetime for me, but that's for different reasons, is two hours and 22 minutes. So people are okay with long films. My whole entire thing would, of course, doing I'm going to fall in love with it. But any movie, I want to be taken away. When the lights come back on, I want to be like, where was I? I was taken away to a magical spot. And that's why I think Jason's talking about I think he's so in love with the story and he wasn't doing this for any of the DC movies that he was, you know, out there marketing. So I think the whole cast felt something special and I can't wait to see it and experience it. You know, it's interesting that I'm a big fan of uh, Lawrence of Arabia, which came out in 1962, which was just a few years before uh, Frank Herbert, you know, released his novel Dune. And what's interesting is there are some similarities between these two stories. Um, obviously, one is far into the future and one is into the past. But isn't it interesting that uh, Lawrence of Arabia was was an award, Academy Award winning film? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my my parents told me about what it was like going to see that in the theater, and it was it was sort of Star Wars esque in terms of its popularity. And look at look at how it's we're going to have two films, which I think is better than sitting through an intermission or whatever they do in these old 60s films where people go take a break and go to the bathroom and get popcorn and come back and then watch the rest of the film. But it's interesting that it's relatively the same length, assuming the second part of Dune is going to is going to match the length of the first part, which which I'm going to guess it's going to be similar in its length. So 
I just think it's wholly appropriate. And uh, I'm actually disappointed that, uh, that at least with the information we have, that Denis wouldn't consider doing a longer cut of his film. But you never know. This is his dream project. He's waited his whole life to do this. Maybe he would do something different this time. You know, you never know. Well, Lawrence Arabia is one of my three favorite movies of all time, Tide. And that's three hours and 48 minutes. Okay, so moving on. So we're going into a new segment today. Let's get into some TV news. Dune TV News. So I'm sure that uh, some listeners may, may be surprised. I mean, we, we haven't talked about this this before, but yeah, Dune is also getting a TV series uh, that's, that's coming to, to HBO Max. It's been super, super quiet about it. Uh, like the past uh, year and a half, we haven't gotten uh, much news, but this was uh, originally announced back in, uh, in 2019. Uh, that uh, Dune, uh, The Sisterhood, would be getting a direct series order for uh, for HBO Max. And um, yeah, I was fully expecting that we would get some more news about the series this year, um, likely after the movie came out. And then I was actually completely shocked that on the same week as all that news coming out about the trailer and everything else, that they decided to casually drop uh, that there was a new new showrunner for uh, for Dune, The Sisterhood. So that's going to be uh, Diane uh, Ademujan, and um, she's previously worked on uh, Netflix's The Haunting of Bly Manor and um, some other shows like uh, the, the Vampire Diaries and the originals at the CW, as well as uh, Medium and Crossing uh, Jordan at, at NBC. Uh, so before we go into more about what what we know, um, I'll start with you, Simon. What, what was your reaction to, to that sudden news? I'm super excited. Also, I was like, oh, yeah, that's happening. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, there's a show, but we'll see maybe how the movie does and then we'll see where they go from it. But no, they straight out said, nope, there's a show planned and this is what we're doing. And I hope they're going to do what Marvel did and in connect everything. Now, I don't know if this show is going to be a prequel. Maybe it's going to be the origins of Lady Jessica, because I feel like Jessica is going to be a fan favorite early on for non-Dune fans. So maybe they're going to introduce her time there. Who knows? I'm curious to know what they're going to pull from. I, I can even imagine casting that show. And I like that someone that has a background in a little bit of horror that's doing the show running because let's face it, they're kind of creepy. You don't want to mess with them. And I, I think it's going to attract the kind of Gothic Sabrina Netflix fan club. That's looking for that kind of edgy show. That's not too sci-fi, but yet has a little bit of darkness to it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I love this because look, look at how you've, you've got, um, a Lord of the Rings series coming out uh, next year uh, from Amazon, where where it's going back in in time before the before the Third Age, uh, as as we know that world. And so, look at how more investment, more commitment to this story. We're going to get the backstory on the Bene Gesserit, but I actually hope that it's not too dark. And and the reason is, is I. I the Bene Gesserit, yeah, they are, they're witches, right? There's, there's some darkness to, to what they do. There's, there's a lot of uh, subterfuge and, and deceit and, and all these things. 
But there also could be a lot of exploration of the greater universe that Frank Herbert created, right? Because the, the Bene Gesserit are kind of this thread that goes throughout, you know, all of the all of the original novels and, and even into the expanded universe. But um, I actually hope it isn't uh, too dark. What I hope happens is that it reflects the feeling, the tone, what Denis has created. Um, because I, I want it to all interconnect, like you said, Simon. I want it to feel like these things all uh, fit together. And, and I'm exploring this universe, not only in the film, hopefully subsequent films, but also in these series. And uh, we probably owe, you know, uh, the success of Game of Thrones and, and what, what the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe is doing. But I'm just excited they're doing this. I was actually surprised they were doing this because there was always this hesitation during COVID of we got to make sure we've, you know, no one, no one can be held back from going to see this film. So let's wait another year. But the fact that they feel there's, there's going to be success here and they're, you know, pulling out all the stops to do a, an entire film or an entire TV series I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, let, let's, uh, so for people who are maybe learning about this news for the first time, I'm going to go through a few things that are confirmed what we know. Uh, so as mentioned, this was first announced as uh, 2019 as being part of the, the HBO Max uh, slate of original programming. Um, and then the, the next news that we actually got was in, in late 2019. And that was when uh, John Spates, who was one of the three writers who, who wrote um, basically Dune, Dune Part 1, um, he, he was actually stepping down uh, from being the showrunner in order to, it was reported in order to focus on uh, writing uh, the sequel to Dune. So what will maybe be, be called simply Dune, Dune Part 2, uh, we'll see. Um, and then for a long period of time, we, did, we didn't get any official news, although there was some materials that popped up, which suggested that this uh, series would be based on um, uh, Brian Herbert and uh, Kevin J. Anderson's uh, uh, book, The Sisterhood of Dune, which came out in 2012, uh, which is part of their Schools of Dune um, series. And that book is basically explores the, the origins of the Bene Gesserit. So way back in the beginning, 10,000 years before the, the events of Dune, how this uh, school of, of power in, in the Dune universe uh, came apart. Um, that information was actually taken down quite quite quickly. Like if you search online, you might find some some old threads with it, but it was removed from all the official sites. And later on, there was some some social media discussions. Even Brian Herbert himself was was clarifying that it ne wasn't necessarily based on on the book, but uh, based on the concepts. Um, and then the only other concrete information that that, that we got. Um, was uh, late late last year. Uh, there was an interview with with Kevin J. Anderson, and um, uh, we we had a question about uh, you know what, what's what's coming next. You know, like after this this current series and and the movies. And he mentioned, well, we have a TV series uh, coming up, and he he had some interesting comments. One one of them being um, that uh, this show would be set in a completely new time period that hadn't been explored by by any of the books. So uh, I thought that, that was interesting. It, it doesn't tell us, you know, where, like how how far, like in the in the past, or where it's going to be be set. But it clearly seems that it's it's going to be a completely new story that that hasn't been uh, been written uh, before. Uh, so that that's exciting. And he also mentioned, by the way, that you know the plan would be then for them to write in uh, tie in books for that that era, so they would expand it uh, in, in in that way uh, as well. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, the, the pandemic was was there, and uh, a lot of people were, were were skeptical. Like, is is this show still still happening? And I think at, at the end of the day, it's it's clear we we had seen that so many TV series all, all over the industry had been pushed back by the pandemic. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, they were just waiting for the right time to to start uh, announcing the the next steps for this um, for this series. So any any thoughts on this being a fully original um, story? Uh, start with you, Simon. It's done right. It could be amazing. I mean. I hate referencing Star Wars again, but going back and doing something, who would have thought a show called The Mandalorian would have been so good? You know, if they take notes from Disney+, Plus, what they're doing with their Star Wars stuff, their Marvel stuff, and just connect it and make it part of the bigger Dune universe. And you're right. I would love to see them travel and go to different planets and see different environments. It should be interesting. I I'm curious. I love that they got a person of color also to direct and be the showrunner and have Denis direct the first episode. And apparently he's writing the first one. So once again, you're getting a name that now Dune fans are going to know and be like, well, I love his vision of the movie. So let me watch this show. I'm curious. I'm curious if it's going to be one season, if it's going to be ongoing, who knows? I love that reference, actually, Simon, to The Mandalorian. Um, for me, The Mandalorian made going back and watching all the original movies a, a, a more rich, interesting experience. So if that's what this uh, Sisterhood uh, series can do, then then it'll be a stroke of genius because we always want to know the origins of these characters that we love, right? We, we want to know... You know, what was what was uh, Duke Leto's father really like? Right. And and these are things that fascinate us when we when we buy in to one of these creations by these these incredibly creative authors and filmmakers. We want to explore all the aspects of it. We want to find out the things that are the backstory, the things that are behind the scenes. So if, if they can match the success in my mind of The Mandalorian with this, it'll be a it'll be a huge win. Yeah, and um, so so yeah, I, I like the point uh, Simon you brought brought up about uh, Villanova. He's going to direct the the first episode. So um, that that was basically stated as well in the article. Ho hopefully that that is that remains the case because I think it's it's going to be great for him to sort of uh, you know bring that connectedness between the the movie and and the series. Um, and they they did mention it will be a prequel to to Dune, of course. Like when you say prequel, that can be be pretty broad. Like a couple of thoughts I I have is, okay, we do have the the prequel novel novels, which were the the first uh, expanded books that that, that were written, um, and those were set um, in between like thirty five to fifteen years, roughly before the original Dune novel. Uh, so one idea I have is, is what if they set something in between those 15 years directly, uh, like before the before the original book and before the, the movie? You know, you would, it would tie in directly, and then you would indeed have the like uh, focus on on Jessica and some other popular characters. So I could see them them then going that that route, which would be interesting. Uh, but then of, of course I also like the idea of them exploring something completely different. You know, like maybe going back hundreds or or thousands of, of years and explore how. Um, maybe not the origins of the Bene Gesserit, but how they're, you know, uh, working on their, their quest uh, to with their um, with their program and uh, moving towards the the creating the Kwisatz Haderach. 
so I could I could see see some interesting opportunities there. I would love just thinking about this as you were talking, Marcus, that we if it is Jessica base, what if we find out the choice of having a male and not a female to create the Quivet Hazard? Like what triggered that in her mind? Because I don't think that's ever been brought up. I haven't read like all the Brian um, Herbert. I mean, yeah, Brian Herbert and um, Kevin J. Anderson books. So I'm not too familiar with that, but I don't think that's ever been brought up. What made her go, ooh, I want a son and not a daughter. Like, I'm going to give birth to the Quizad Hazarat, you know? Yeah, I think part, part of that was just, just simply her, 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 her love, love for, for Lito and like the Ben and Jesuit thought they, that they had her fully under control, but in reality, like her, her loyalties were, were divided. Uh, so, so I think that that's, that's part of it, but yeah, it would be intriguing to, to see explanation of, of her, her early years and how, how she, she raises Paul and the influence of the Ben and Jesuit on the, on the background. I actually uh, would prefer that this uh, Benny Gesserit TV series story not go back too far because because I would like to kind of know some of these things about, uh, you know, Reverend Mother Mahayam and and uh, some of these other Jessica herself. I'd love to kind of know kind of some of the development and how those personalities developed over time. Um, but then again, it is pretty exciting. I mean, the Dune universe just spans these eons of time, right? So it is it is pretty exciting too to go way back, right? I mean, you go back far enough, and you're gonna you're gonna run into Earth, right? But I don't know if they're gonna go there. Uh, that could happen, maybe. But I just like how you know there's so much material to mine here. Um, it's it's no wonder that they're they're investing in this franchise. So yeah, I'd rather not go back too far this time around. So, I mean, any last thoughts on the series? Give me a release date and give me the cast. <laughs> I'm picturing Glenn Close somewhere in that show. I'm calling it right now or Meryl Streep. Come on, HBO. You can do it. Yeah, and I think uh, given the news and what we've heard so far with obviously productions of all these, these series be, being delayed, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be interesting to see, see if they do come up with some some further news this year. Like, I really hope they, they do fast track it, but I wouldn't you know, be hoping that it's, it's coming out uh, next year. Uh, I would uh, certainly bet against that. But yeah, ho hopefully in between, you know, Dune Part 1 and Dune Part 2, we do have get uh, Dune series to keep us busy. That would, that would be perfect. So moving on to expanded news. The Duneverse. Books, comics, games, collectibles, and more. So our... Um, Fourth topic for today is um, Dune, uh, Blood of the Sardaukar. So that was a comic book that uh, was released just one week ago. And Simon, you, you wrote a review about that. So I'll let you uh, uh, start out. First of all, great little side story. Um, I mean, I guess we can go in spoiler mode. Everyone's read it. That's on the show. Sorry if you people haven't read it on the internet but yeah so consider this your your spoiler warning so we're, we're going to go in depth if you want to learn more about the the comic but not get in spoilers check out the review on the site so i love saddle cars i think they're awesome i think there's a part of me that i love like roman history and i love the, you know the 300 warriors and that's pretty much what we get we get an origin story of 
an amazing scene that is so crucial in the book, the movie. We'll just say Dune Part 1 for now on. And we see it from a different point of view. And what I love is we get to know how this person got taken away very much without going into other spoilers, like the other book that's getting published by Boom right now, House of Atreides. So um, I just love that this person was very much brainwashed early on to hate the Duke, hate Duke Leto, hate the Atreides. They're horrible. They, they killed your family. Did they? It's that whole entire, like, from a certain point of view, it's looking at parts of the history and looking at it from a different camera angle, you know, and seeing it. So this person hates this, and this is where the Sadakar hate comes from right here. But when you find out what happens and you find out, oh, no, I was taught a lie. You know, you can go back in history and look at a lot of stuff and being like, well, that really didn't happen. And, you know, people were told lies. You know, if you look without going full meta history, like you look at Nazi youth camps and you were told something. And that's kind of what you get with the set of cars in this book. Overall, I, I don't want to spoil it. It does take place in a crucial scene. And I love that we do get a flashback of a young uh, Duke Leto, a young future swords master named Duncan. I, I'm a Duncan fanboy. I've said it a million times, and I love it. What is beautiful is the art. It's simple, but when the action happens, like I'm looking through it as we speak, you can feel Dune. You feel Dune. The colors is something I totally forgot in my review. It gives you that space vibe. It gives you that dusty Arrakis feel to it. Do you need to read this before the movie? No, but if you're a fan of Dune and you want to know more about the expanded universe, I highly recommend it. I honestly give it probably a seven out of 10. You know, I I know the artists who I'm drawing a complete blank right now had put up some original pages for sale. So maybe by the time I get paid, he'll still have some. I'm not a comic expert, uh, although I was a, a Marvel comic collector as a young kid. But I thought this was a, a great visual and story-based experience. I I actually loved the fact that the Sardaukar, and, and I, I'm currently writing a, a lore article about the Sardaukar, and you know, you can you can just personify these as as you know, like you know, the the Roman soldiers, stormtroopers. I mean, you can Nazi SS, you know, you can, you can just uh, dehumanize these, these forces because they're just ruthless killers, right. In, 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 by controlled by the, the, the emperor. But what I love about what they've done here is, is created this Jopati Colonna, which, uh, which is a creation of, of Brian Herbert and Kevin G. Anderson, but it personifies in this character that I care about as, as, it showed me. It shows me his backstory. It shows me why he chose to be a Sardaukar. It shows me why he's this heartless killing machine. But then it also ties in, like you're saying, Simon. I get to experience uh, Duke Leto, Duke Leto's father, Duncan Idaho. I get to see them from a different perspective. And then the way this story comes together, I was really pleased. I I actually thought, what a great story. And, uh, and and I love the visuals. I loved the intense action. But as I'm watching all of this 
sword fighting and, 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 and intense action sequences, it's teaching me, it's giving me backstory and greater depth to these characters and to these even, even bigger elements like the Sardaukar themselves, why they exist, what are they all about? Uh, how did they become what they are? Uh, I thought it was just a great uh, graphic novel experience. And do you feel that having read this this story that it, it's going to add uh, to your experience of the the film or book? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because I I now because I'm sure watching the film, the Sardaukar are going to be an overwhelming force of terror, right? I mean, it's going to Denise going to do that right. I promise you. And so for me to not feel who these human beings are, but to just have them be. Uh, you know, these these characters that, that that have a suit and helmet on, but to actually get the backstory on on why they exist, how they came to be, maybe the things they struggled with, maybe they're maybe they're innocent in, in many ways as to how they ended up uh, trained as a Sardaukar warrior. So I think it has a lot of great depth. I think it's a, a great addition. Yeah. I mean, there's something I would like to mention that I just thought about. It's also very much like Paul's journey. Family's gone. And has to survive. You know, he has to learn to survive. And it happened to be, you know, become a Sardaukar warrior. But there's even panels, like I'm flipping through it right now, where you see him and his brothers getting trained with a backpack. And it looks very much like the promotional stills that we've seen of Paul and Jessica being on Arrakis fighting for their life. And you're right. We are told that these people are ruthless killers, but everyone has a story. You know, it's taking it from a different point of view and understanding where this person comes from. I, I would be okay if Boom put out more of these. Yeah, and I wanted to give a shout out to the to the basically the people, the creative team. So, as mentioned, this was uh, illustrated by Adam Gorham. Um, the colorist was uh, Patricio Del Pesce, and letterer was uh, Ed Dukeshire. Um, and what some people may not know is that this um, this comic book is uh, is actually based on an original short story uh, by uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. I think it was published like two two or three um, three years ago in a in a short story collection. So it was available in, in prose first, and we know that that Boom Studios is going to be putting out. Uh, at least one more of these these books uh, this year, which is based on um, short stories that that were that were written and basically expand um, expanded the lore of the of the Dune universe. I think this is really accessible to uh, you guys. I I think, um, and I'm not even really talking about age necessarily. I'm just talking about having another. Uh, visual and storytelling experience in, in a different format. And I, I actually uh, am, am glad to know that this was originally uh, set in prose in a, in a short story. And, and I thought, I thought Boom did a great job transitioning this to a, to a, a comic book experience. And uh, I hope they would do more of this because again, we want to come at this universe from all different angles. And, and for some people, this is, this is even more accessible sometimes uh, to than than even uh, the original novels. I would hope it would turn them to want to read the novels as well. That's that's the hope all along. But I, I think it only adds to Marcus. Yeah, yeah. And what what, what I really liked, and you've already mentioned that, that as well, is, is how we we saw 
the, the, the origins of the Sardaukar, like how they're, they're trained on uh, Seleucus uh, Secundus, and it's basically a hellish world, but pretty much like, like Arrakis, uh, where, you know, making, making a mistake and you're, you're dead. And, and so many of these, these soldiers, they were brought there for various reasons as at a young age. Uh, maybe they were attacked in the, in the same way that uh, Japati was. Their family was killed, and then they were brought into the, the army. And most of them didn't survive. So these uh, the, these survivors are are literally are like these these fearless uh, warriors who have had to survive, you know, uh, unmeasurable uh, horrors on on this this planet and graduate into uh, into one of the ranks. And um, yeah, and going back to the the point, I think uh, Sami, you, you had written that uh, in in your review about how this this added uh, depth to the to characters of of uh, of Leto and and Duck in Idaho. And I guess since we are going into spoilers, what what was your impression of that that scene specifically? Like, how how did you uh, feel that they handled that scene when when uh, uh, Leto is is talking to the emperor? I'm uh, sorry, I was just looking at those original pages. Um, fun fact: usually, comic pages are done 11 by 17. The artist's original pages are actually smaller, mm-hmm. so it makes me even appreciate the artwork even more. They're his original pages are eight and a half by 11. So the little details okay. that he puts in is even more beautiful when you think about it, that he had less room to work on. So instead of like a legal paper, he's doing it on a normal sheet of paper. I like those scenes. I, I am a political junkie in any way. So, and I, I was talking to actually um, my friend Sheldon that does the voiceovers for the segments and I was like, you know, what's going to be interesting is people hated the politics in Star Wars, but there's so much politics in Dune, and we'll see how they're going to handle that. Uh, I like it. It's just adding another layer. I would love to see Duncan and Leto's interaction, you know, past that scene, like what happens there. You know, it's connecting all those dots. That's what I love. I love multiple stories that... At the end, you get a whole story, if that makes sense. I mean, I'm, I still read comics. It's Wednesday. I should be at the comic store, but, you know, I'm recording this podcast. Like, perfect example, right now there's a big crossover going on with a bunch of different books, but you get different point of views. I, give me a world that I love, and I'm sold on it. And, yeah, I'm going to go back and look at original pages while you guys are talking well, I, I loved Marcus how we you mentioned this Simon that we have kind of these these two uh, storylines going along and then there's these flashbacks right um, uh, where Colona talks about his upbringing and and how he gets to where he is but but I love you know this this climactic moment where you have uh, Colona now as the right hand man to the the emperor and then he now sees, uh, Duke Leto, the, the son of the, the man who destroyed his home world, so to speak, right? And then you've got Duncan. And what I liked about it is these characters were, characters were depicted absolutely consistent with how I view them from the original novels and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the Brian Herbert and Kevin G. Anderson novels I have read. So, so I, to me, it just felt right. It felt true to the, to the characters. It, it felt true to the universe. Um, and I thought it was a it was a it was a gripping moment there at the end where the truth comes out, and I thought it was a great moment. 
Yeah, I think I think it was it, it was a key moment. Like uh, it said a lot about uh, Lito because you, you think, okay, how how's the Trades? They're they're this this great house, a uh, major house. They have so much power, but how come you know compared to these other great houses, they actually only have one uh, one world that they're controlling, which is uh, which is Caladan. And you you actually see in in this this scene how Duke Lito actually gave up controlling one world because it wasn't the the right thing to do, and that was like so so in character. And you, you see how a man like that became so so popular that uh, the emperor became uh, afraid of him, and like that there was just so much dynamics in the scene. And like if if you haven't. Uh, Read it if you've already read a comic. I advise also reading the the short story as as well. It's part of a short story collection. I'll, I'll add the link. Uh, like it's, uh, it's it's quite cheap on on Kindle. Um, it, it may add like a couple of uh, of other perspectives uh, there. But yeah, I just felt felt that was uh, such a moment because you come into this this story thinking it's going to focus on the Sardaukar, but you get this key moment about uh, House Atreides' uh, background as well. And it shows once again like. So my girlfriend's reading the book for the first time, and she's like, I don't really like Alito. I don't get him. <laughs> I'm like, you'll start understanding him and loving him. Like we talked about, you know, on the IMAX uh, podcast and also the trailer breakdown, the stuff with the spice harvest, that's Lido for me. Hey, I don't care about production. I care about the people. And he is very much the people's leader. You know, I would be curious to know, hey, what if they did a book, you know, a comic, boom, I will be more than happy to give you like an art team I would love on this book. What happens on um, Caladan after they find out that Lido died? What would, what was the reaction of that, of the people? Like, I would love it kind of being sad and kind of like Caladan feels the loss of their leader. Sure, Paul becomes leader and all that, but for them, Lido was the people's leader. I also love the the sinister nature of the emperor. So you know, not only uh, uh, the backstory uh, of of Colonna uh, is that uh, Sardaukar troops came again masquerading, right, as as other troops, which which is a theme we're familiar with, right, but. I, I love that the story just emphasizes and underscores even more the character, the values uh, of Shaddam. I, I just think, again, that's consistent with what I know and what I'm familiar with, and it just fits into the expanded universe. And it also feels very much like the Dune graphic novel that came out last year. So the art style bleeds in once again it feels very much like what we want with the tv show it feels part of the same world good job boom and they actually have have mentioned that that the all this, the teams and companies behind these these uh, comic books so uh, boom studios and abrams comic arts from graphic novel have been working together to have that consistent look and feel uh, whether it's the characters, even though they're like in slightly different time periods, as well as the vehicles and, and the setting. So it, it does feel interconnected. So going to our fifth and last story for today. Uh, so we actually had a, an announcement of a completely new game that, uh, that came um, last week. So Gale Force 9 is going to be releasing um, a second uh, new game this year uh, called Dune Betrayal. So that's um, 
it's a social uh, deduction game and it's going to have like all the visuals from um uh, f- from the, the dune movie basically the players it can be played by by four to eight players uh f- fast fast paced uh, game games of uh, of 30 minutes and people play the role of, of secret agents and it's all about like uh you know using the your social s- uh, skills using uh, actions and 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 tactics to understand who who your enemies are who who your allies are and and uh, take action um and this comes from um the designer is Don Eskridge and he's he's made a game called uh, the resistance uh, which is one of the the better known uh, social deduction games out there um G- Garen, have you seen this news and what do you think about this new game i saw the news uh, i'm actually not familiar with this uh, format of 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 game of of a game um, I, I'm kind of a big uh, Gale Force Nine uh, Dune board game fan. I, I love the movement of troops and and uh, being able to take over you know territory. But wh- why would this not be a great fit? Because you've got you've got so much intrigue and deception and and uh, stratagem and you know uh, just faints within faints within faints. You know in this in this world. So. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm excited again. You, you've got a lot of new games, board games in particular coming out and, and, and it sounds like, uh, even, um, you know, computer games coming down the, the way as well. So, yeah, I'm not familiar with this format, uh, but it sounds like a great fit for the world of Dune. Yeah. And Simon, I, I know that you're not as much into board games. What was your thought about, uh, this game, which is more about the social interaction like, uh, cards, tactics, I like it. Like it, like you said, I'm not a gamer, but I think I have to become one to love the student games. <laughs> yep. And I like the design of the game. That's why I can tell you more than the actual game playing. I think it feels very Dune 2021, if that makes sense. It feels like, once again, it's in that universe. It feels very streamlined. And I love when everything is streamlined all across. So I'll probably end up picking up this game and maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a Discord or a Zoom place where I can play this game online with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And this is coming out uh, October. Uh, So probably around the same uh, same time the movie is is releasing, they haven't given an exact date yet, and it's it's only going to cost uh, twenty five dollars. And uh, yeah, like just looking at the, the cards and like the the components, it looks like it's it's worth it. You have like the, the scenes from from the movie, the the, the characters. So I think that this will be. Um, I'm sort of looking forward to, to getting a a group of people who are who you know maybe I'll watch the movie with, but they don't know as, as much about this and like uh, playing playing this this game together with them. It sounds like it's pretty pretty easy to to learn, uh, f- fast paced, so so perfect for like a casual setting, uh, uh, party or, or guests, uh, or someone that doesn't know how to play board games yeah. like myself. <laughs> yeah. I do like the $25 mark because I feel like the problem with a lot of these games, like I'll take Magic the Gathering as an example. It's a first like, oh, just buy a pack, it's 10 bucks. Then it becomes more and more. But I feel like this is pretty much what you get. I'm looking at it and 25 bucks, sure. I'll spend 25 bucks just to try out a game. If not, it's more Dune merch. I feel like October is going to be kind of busy. Yeah. 
And and to to Garen's point, I think um, for for people who have known known this type of game, um, you, you know, it's, it's maybe similar to that, but there's going to be more tactics in, involved. Uh, but if you haven't played this this game, um, this type of game before, it sounds like it's a pretty unique proposition, especially for for the role of Dune that it really fits in with, as I mentioned, that intrigue. That's uh, basically the, the classic uh, feud between House Trades and, and House Harkonnen, and how you're uh, you're playing that out. Uh, if you want to get some more insights into the um, into the gameplay, so the, the our article on the site in, includes a Q and A with the designer, and that gives more insights into like how how the game works, uh, what are the the important factors uh, to look out there. So uh, check that out. Okay, so that was our our last story for today. So before we close, I did want to announce um, uh, two winners uh, to our poster giveaway. From from last uh, last time, so uh, we're going to give away uh, yeah two posters from the from the IMAX screening. Uh, so we picked um, responses at random. Uh, so I have uh, Isabella Alves and Simon Knutsen. Uh, so we'll we'll reach out to you to get your your addresses so that we can uh, can mail out those uh, those posters to you. And uh, yes, stay tuned. Hopefully, we'll have the opportunities for for more of these in the future. Um, and before I wanted, to, uh, before I close, just wanted to um, remind you, like, if you do have um, uh, questions for uh, for for our team on on this show, uh, just um, uh, comment on on YouTube or on the on the post on doonewsnet.com, uh, or or use the the, the email that's uh, that's also going to be be listed in the episode uh, description. So we'd love to hear your 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 questions, and we may answer some of them on the show itself. And of course, we're always happy to hear uh, feedback. Uh, what are the segments you you enjoyed most? Uh, what are the, what would you like to hear more of on on the show? So that's that's it for today. Uh, so uh, before we go, um, uh, Garen, uh, where where can you be found on social media? Yeah, uh, so my website is DuneCompanion.com. Uh, I've got a lot of lore articles and and uh, fan stuff there. So. Uh, and then uh, you can reach me on Twitter uh, at Dune Companion. So see you on. Simon? Uh, before I give out my info, I do want to mention about the comments. Thank you for the person that mentioned that Japanese movie that I was talking about. It was called Catherine. And Google that trailer and remember it was done in the early 2000s. There's a lot of Dune vibe to it. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Try and be a little bit more active on there. It's S Dowdy, so it's my first initial, my last name, D-A-O-U-D-I. But like I say, always, I'm more on Insta. So yeah. and uh, this is was Marcus. So uh yeah, you can of course find a lot of my articles on dunewsnet.com and on Twitter um at dunewsnet and Instagram at dunewsnet. So I want to thank you all for uh for joining today and look forward to seeing you again on our next Dune Talk. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to dunenewsnet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.